Our next bhajan is on page 95. Ole. The happiness has disappeared. Who will share the pain? Come, listen, O beloved Kirpal. To whom else can I tell my pain? At every step, Sadguru has showered the radiant nectar. Guru Kripal, come to control my heart. If there is true love, the ship sails across. His face is attractive. He pulls the heart closer. He finishes the problems and disputes of the one who comes to him becoming his own. May I go on looking at you and go on telling you the pain. I am not beautiful. I have no qualities. You are my beloved husband. I am wandering from door to door, getting kicked and knocked. Finally, I have come to you for support. I remember you and plead to you. God came into this world taking up the body of a man. Even after being present in all, he hid himself. Ajayab says this and tells of his pain. Come, listen, O beloved Kripal. To whom else can I tell my pain? The happiness has disappeared. Who will share the pain? Come, listen, O beloved Kripal. To whom else can I tell my pain? Bhajan of Sanchi on page 95. Hoya suke ole, kona duka pole, asuna kire pala piaria, horasunava kenume. Hoya suke ole, Kona duka fole, asuna kire pala piaria. Kadama kadama te amarita nuri. Satguru ne parasaya Dila mera pasakarane katir Guru kiri palajiyaya Kadama kadama te Oh, 
Oh. 
Allah dunia debica Kata-kata debica basada hoya Apa na apa jupaya Rabba Jai Babola Reha, Duka Fola Reha, Asuna Kire Pala Piaria, Orasuna Vakenume, Oyasuke Ole. Asuna kire pala piaria, ora suna The happiness has disappeared. Who will share the pain? Come listen, O beloved Kripal. To whom else can I tell my pain? There will be a two-day meditation program in remembrance of Master Kapal at Shama's retreat next weekend. Please call Don and Charlotte if you plan to attend. Master Kapal left the body on August 21st, 1974, and this retreat is in commemoration of his life. And I want to read a talk of Master Kripal called Thief of Your Life's Breath. And this is found in the book, The Night is a Jungle. It's actually chapter 8 of that book. Master Kripal says, Bhajan is imperative to right living. For the true meaning of bhajan is to go within and rejoin the Lord, nothing more nor less. It has ever been the aim of all true masters to teach people this kind of bhajan, the inner bhajan through which, by contact with God within, the mind becomes intoxicated with his presence. The music of the spheres or Akhand Kirtan, the perpetual melody, should be constantly audible to the devoted soul, thereby intoxicating it. For the soul is itself a part of that same sound. The audible life stream has power to render this world's odious taints totally ineffective. And so we are urged to regularly attend satsang, the only place where we can be in company with truth. Our soul is not free from mind and senses. 
It is not fortunate enough to have as yet achieved oneness with the truth, so it desperately needs the company of one who is at one with truth. Get dyed in the colorless nam. When the masters dye the souls in the sound of nam, no other color can take effect. But for the unfortunate undyed, the world's influence continues to apply stain upon stain. The cause of all our distress can be traced to the fact that we have not been drenched in the true color of Nam. From where does this color come? He is the overflowing, intoxicating color of love. The company of the saint infuses a real desire. In the company of him in whom the love of God, God's intoxicating color, is overflowing, one can absorb the radiation of this very nature. If then, through his mercy, we also get a contact or connection with the God in him, we will have that intoxication with us 24 hours a day. The intoxication of Nam, O Nanak, inebriates night and day. And if we study the matter, we find that all the grumbles of the world arise from lack of this contact. When someone, when anyone would complain to Hazur about inability to still the mind, he would reply, your Simran is not constant enough. And for the complaint of not being able to sit for long in meditation, the same reply was given. Our real difficulty is that the world's color has drowned us. If it could be bleached out, then we would become clean and ready for a new fresh color to enliven us. A dirty cloth must first be washed clean before attempting to dye it. Our heart and intellect are stained with that color coming from the level of mind and senses. We are stained with the actions of life, and added to this are the stains of the past, birth upon birth. Even if you put aside past lives and consider this life alone, how many years have passed already? It might be that through the mercy of some master, you are fortunate to be in his company and enjoy the benefit of a little of that nam color. But even so, it is said that we must do Simran and serve the Satguru. We are dyed in the worldly color through doing the world Simran, and it can only be washed out by doing the Simran, remembrance, and Dhyan, contemplation of the Lord. So you can say that the first step is Simran, controlled thought, and it should be constant without a break. This is the washing process before the soul is ready to be drenched in the color of God. One job, repetition, one thought, 
Think of one, sigh for one, sing the praise of one. Through mind and body, with love, repeat the Lord's name. With true service of mind and body, in love and devotion, one should increase one's remembrance of the Lord until there is nothing but constant sighing for him. Then there is indication of awakening. We sigh for worldly things, but it is rare to find someone who sighs in remembrance of the Lord. Simran is the first step. Logically, one will be drenched in the color of the one in whose name the Simran is done. If you keep someone in your heart, you will reside in theirs. If the disciple remembers the guru, the guru will remember the disciple. And if there is remembrance on both sides, that creates receptivity, and the guru and disciple become one. Satguru protects the disciple with his life. In such condition, the disciple becomes suffused in the guru's color. In the clear heart, the true knowledge becomes apparent. Naturally, those who do Simran will be dyed in that color. When the masters feel so inclined, they reveal themselves somewhat, and great wisdom comes forth for our benefit, in whom the color of the Lord is not yet fast. Realize that the soul is a conscious entity. It is ever-existent, all wisdom and perfect bliss. When the mind and senses are washed clean from their dirty color, and the soul, which is attention, gets connected to the greater attention, then without effort it will radiate bliss. It is said that those who do not do bhajan will never be free from misery. Lethargy will constantly torment them. They are always lazy. When does this procrastination come and when does it go? For the negative work, he is all attentiveness. While waiting on the nam, he slumbers and slumbers. To gratify the senses, he is wide awake and ready, even at midnight. But for bhajan, not now, we'll see tomorrow. This is mainly due to his regular association with outer enjoyments. He has inclination toward them. He has done little or no bhajan to speak of, has not drunk deep enough to enjoy its sweet nectar, and therefore feels disinclined. With lethargy, procrastination becomes the thief of time. Not just now, wait a while. We'll do it tonight. No, tomorrow morning. Let's just finish this work and then, the tragic result, if you put off the moment, the other moment which one imagines will be more opportune, will never come. If one becomes lazy, then laziness will induce sleep. If your meditation is not fruitful, how will you know what is inside? Even when at initiation, through the mercy of the Master, something is seen within, 
yet a man will start thinking it is all imagination. This is how the mind hoodwinks us, with the result that the soul recedes into the enjoyments and scatters its attention. Though imperishable and unchangeable, it is under the mind's influence. Through connection with the mind, it came into creation and has suffered the cycle of birth and death ever since. Imprisoned in the illusion, its attention dispersed in the world, it falls prey to passions, anger, etc., becoming more and more diffused. Through passion, the soul can fall very low. The seat of the soul is high between the eyebrows, and the seat of passion, well, everyone knows where that is. Where there is passion, Nam is not there. Where there is Nam, there is true desire. Both cannot stay together. The sun and the night are each in its own place. Nam is the same as the ever-existent God, which is in each being and controls every soul in every form. But the link with Nam is made above the senses, behind and between the eyes, to where the soul withdraws at the time of death when it leaves the scene of life. This is termed the seat of the soul. If a soul is drenched in the Nam's color, how can desires affect him? But when the attention is in the body, he becomes tormented by passions. Without the stabilizing force of Nam, the soul remains diffused in the world, subject to the constant agitation of the mind. Passion and anger have the same results. If an obstacle comes between us and our desire, whether apparent or concealed, then anger arises, followed by envy, criticism, backbiting, enmity, petty squabbling, and other things. We drift from one bad habit to another. And all this is due to lack of substantial meditation. Even if a little was done with deep sincerity, some intoxication would be enjoyed. When this nectar comes, other wine seems tasteless. Having tasted the real nectar of life, one will leave a thousand tasks to sit and enjoy it. Every free minute will be put to use. One will readjust one's life to make more and more time for meditation. When people are asked why they do not meditate, their excuse is that there is never any time for this precious work, although the so-called true disciple is always ready and willing to attend to the worldly pursuits. We are not faithful to our bhajan because we have not had enough inner experience of Nam. Those in passion and anger's torment are drowned to death in a river of greed. Daily this greed increases. He who has a hundred dollars desires a thousand, and when he gets that, he wants more. 
Added to this, people want praise without doing any good. They spend their lives in lies, cheating, and cunningness. The lifespan drifts away without an ounce of self-control. Seeing this condition, the Master says, Stop where you are. Look at your condition. It is all through the lack of meditation. And the only cure is to join the soul back to the Lord. Even a little intoxication derived from steady daily practice will start to erase the taste for outer pleasures. These outer attractions are making it extremely difficult for the mind to withdraw and go inward. If we start to enjoy inner sweetness, when that sweetness comes, this other flavor is not to the liking. Naturally, the sweeter taste will render others insipid. The Master's work is to connect the soul with the perpetual sound. He gives a connection with the Lord's very reflection, free, without charge. Having received this priceless gift of nature, one should devote enough time to increase it by daily practice. Then when one starts to really enjoy the nectar, outer things will recede automatically without any effort. To gain control of one's being, to bring one's whole life under that perfect control, to help oneself to cut away from outer attractions, requires self-introspection. Start by consciously controlling a small fraction of your life. You will be able to succeed if you are also enjoying a little inner intoxication of Nam. All masters say there is no success without meditation. Now that Kal, negativeness, has come, quickly sow the seeds of Nam. Forget not yourself in illusion. Now is the sowing season. They tell us that the direct way out is not through karma, action, past or present, or dharma, religion or ritual correctness, for these are related at the level of senses only. While the soul is without connection with God and is not drenched in the color of Nam, it has to return to this world. In the Gurbani it is written, to meet a Gurumukh, to have the company of a sadhu and the color of Nam, this is the true meeting, beloved. And whoever got these truly spoke thy name from his heart. The treasure can only be received from one who has it. When a drunkard meets another drunkard, how they dance to the same tune. Similarly, when those who drink the Nam's nectar meet, how high their souls fly together. Whatever company you choose to keep, you will become the same. Those who see the truth describe the same thing in different languages. Malana Rumi has said that to be fortunate enough 
to have the company of a God in man for 20 minutes will give more benefit than dedicating 100 years of full devotion to the Lord, sincerely and without show. This unique color cannot be made or manufactured. It can be received only from the direct source of supply. It is already within man, but covered with the filth of ages, and can only be ignited through the company of him who is in complete control of his attention, who is overflowing with intoxication. You may call it the alms of Nam. Meditation is most necessary, for only by meditation will all things come of their own accord. There are those who steal the time away from their meditation. The thieves of bhajan will be daily afflicted with misery. And we have, O Nanak, the whole world is unhappy. What is the cure for this dreadful plight? Only those are happy who are sustained by Nam. Man in physical form flitters. How can he sing the Lord's praise? Great are the senses' torments. Passion and anger torture him daily. These are the words of Guru Amardas. A hundred men, if wise, will say the same thing. Pitiful is the condition of those whose mind restlessly roams among nine doors, the nine orifices of the human form, who are dragged around amid the vices of worldly life. The poor soul sometimes falls in passion or diffuses itself in anger. To learn the accurate and most definite way to reach God, one must keep the company of an enlightened person, and in his company one will be able to have true remembrance of the Lord. He can teach one how to hold this remembrance throughout every phase of life, working, walking, eating, sitting, etc. This sphere of vices is insipid. Discard it, friend. Drink the nectar of Nam. Because of the senses, the whole world is drifting into vice of one form or another. If even a single sense is prominent, how damaging that can be. For instance, in moths, the sense of sight is so strong that they burn themselves to death through the attraction of light to the eye. In fish, freely swimming in oceans and rivers, the sense of taste is so great that they allow themselves to be baited by various tidbits, are caught, and lose their lives. The poor fish with the hook stuck in its throat gives up its freedom after much torment of thrashing about in an effort to escape its captor. Consider the black bee, whose sense of smell drags it from flower to flower until it is swallowed up by that certain blossom which closes tight at the minutest touch. We have talked of sight, taste, and smell. What of the remaining two senses, hearing and touch, the deer is an animal so fleet of foot that it is most difficult to catch. 
Even when jumping backwards, its stride can measure 30 or 40 feet. How do they catch this will-o'-the-wisp? Its weakness lies in its strong sense of hearing, and when a certain beat is sounded on the drum, the deer forgets everything and comes close enough to place his head on the drum, and so the rest of his life is spent in captivity, imprisoned by man. Now take the elephant, whose strength is so obviously impressive that a man may feel terrified just to look at him. But during the mating season, the elephant's desire for the touch of the female is so dominant that he loses all control and runs amok, even uprooting huge trees in his path. While he is in this state of passion, having lost all his better instincts, man can devise his capture. A huge pit is dug out and covered over with branches and grass. A female elephant is tied nearby as an attraction, and as he rushes toward her, he falls into the intervening pit. After starving him for many days, he is weak enough to be bound and taken away into slavery for the rest of his life, which may amount to 100 years. These are sample conditions of creatures who are slave to only one sense. What about him in whom all five senses are dominating? It may be a simple matter to discuss these things, but think of this difficult task. It would appear impossible to gain control of these five senses. So it is only by the grace of a true master that one can be guided away from the dark edge of these powerful senses for a while. With indescribable strength, the mighty guru pulls the attention, and inside is the ever-existent Lord, described as Nam. By repetition of Nam, the light of millions of suns is apparent. There is light within, and the song of the Lord, that everlasting song, is playing. The Guru gives a connection with this. That is his greatness, the God in him. And when his precious gift is given, it must be increased. When the taste for it grows, the lesser tastes will fade away. In the Bhagavad, a Vedic scripture, it says, not with repetition or austerity, nor by rites, nor prayer, nor scripture, not by giving alms, nor by pilgrimage. There are countless other things mentioned, and finally it says, not even by control of the senses can the jiva realize me as quickly as in the company of a realized person. The company of the master is gained through great good fortune, and only in his company will the mind cease its perpetuation and be perfectly still for a while. Who is the master? He is born in the same way as other men, taking on the human form, and we can daily see him eating, drinking, working in the world, and yet... Sad and the Lord, there is no fraction of difference, O brother. These are the words of Guru Arjan. 
So where does mastership begin? He who transcends the nine doors and goes into the beyond in full control of his whole being, he can know what a master is. The nine doors, the two physical eyes, two nostrils, mouth, two ears, and the genital and excretory orifices. He who can withdraw his attention and go out through the tenth door at the back of the eyes is well on the way to becoming a realized soul. But where are we? Whoever has lived all his life at sense level and whose religious practices are on the same level can hardly be expected to have knowledge of rising above all these things. He will definitely get rewarded for all his good actions, but he will come again and again into creation as he considers he is the doer. These are the gold and iron chains described by Lord Krishna when speaking of good and bad actions. Salvation comes only through the holy Nam itself. In the Ramayana, it is likened to lighting a lamp in a hallway, whereupon the light will fall both inside and outside. This illustrates the effect of the repetition of Nam on one's inner and outer life. To repeat Simran is the first step. The appearance to the devotee of the one whom the repetition is for is another matter. If you haven't loved the Guru completely, you are not really near the Nam. The Lord within each one sees whichever of his children are yearning to meet him and makes the appropriate condition for them to come to the feet of one in whom he is manifested. It is a very rare privilege to meet a true Guru, and yet those who meet him do not love him completely. With outer show, they touch his feet and sing his praises, but rarely do they obey his wishes. All masters tell the devotees to do their simran and bhajan. Azur used to say, you people give one-tenth of your earnings, so you should also give one-tenth of your time. One-tenth of a day is two and a half hours. Some sit for nearly five minutes, some for half an hour, and many not at all. Others sit when the occasion fits their mood. If the connection which is given at initiation is not increased, what happens? The attention remains outward and does not withdraw and invert. A person may sit hours on end and others may think he is a devoted meditator, but inside he sees nothing. The face he shows to the world is white, but in the court of the Lord it is black. O brothers, awake. This is the time to understand what is what. The masters come, lift up their hands and shout to the world, O brothers, do your meditation, for without it you cannot be free. It is said, take the guru's teaching, for without devotion many clever ones have drowned. 
learning and high degrees are of no use in this sphere. There was once a very learned man who, upon approaching a river one day, asked a boatman to row him across. The boatman agreed, and while they were crossing the river, the learned man asked him, Have you had any education? The boatman replied that he had received no education at all. The learned man remarked, Oh dear, you have wasted half your life. Halfway across the river, the boat sprang a leak and began to sink. The boatman asked his companion, Did you ever learn to swim? The man replied that he had never learned swimming. And the boatman remarked, All your reading and writing is wasted here, and swam to the shore. Now, I'm not suggesting that no one should study at all. Education is good in its place. But if the soul does not learn to leave the body at will, and has not derived intoxication from being drenched in the color of non, no amount of speech or action will achieve success on the spiritual path. Remember this fact, for it is clear and simple. The masters all explain the truth in very simple terms. The masters in truth say, Make your meditation. Listen. Open your ears and listen. He who has made his meditation has made everything. He whose meditation is not made will enjoy no meaning in his life's achievements. There is great purpose behind this emphasis on the importance of meditation. If your daily life is not under control, try to bring it in control, or give more time to meditation and you will be able to gain control quicker. He who becomes the conscious co-worker of the divine plan will find that his righteous life is made. Whatever he does will be performed righteously. He will not be able to act otherwise. The reason behind your failure is that you have not truly loved your master, but have merely made a show in various ways, physically or financially or by lip service. There is no one who has sacrificed his mind to the guru. Without giving up the mind, there is no success. The mind was sold to the Satguru. This server's work was correct. Give the mind into his keeping. This physical form is the master's. This wealth is the master's. This mind has been given too. Those who can do this will receive the greatest gift. The receiver may be a Hindu, Muslim, Christian, etc., for all outer religions are merely labels. We are all simply human beings. A human being is a soul with a body, and the soul's caste is the same as God's. We are all the Lord's children, but unfortunately are going along in forgetfulness. And when we come to the Master, what does he teach us? This possessiveness has gone since I got the Master's company. There is no enemy, no stranger, 
all now are very dear to me. The change comes from within. We are human beings, but before that we are soul, the indweller of the physical body. Why is there so much dissension? When the people have right understanding, then peace will reign on earth. This is the only panacea for all ills. It always was and always will be. Whenever man forgets the truth, the unity already existent in all, then sorrow and misery descend. The most effective cure for all distressing conditions is to join the soul back to the Lord and realize in truth the unity that exists. Nam is the panacea for all ills. Nam is no mere outer expression or show. It is a term given to the all-knowing and ever-existent Lord. Nam is the sustainer of Khand and Brahmand. It is the God-in-action power which is controlling the whole of creation, Khand and Brahmand, and to be connected to that power means to meditate on the Nam. Those who have meditated on the Nam, their toils shall end and their faces shall flame with glory. Not only shall they have salvation, O Nanak, but many more shall find freedom with them. The most urgent work before us is being spoiled by slothfulness, all because the love for the Guru is not developed. Christ told his followers, If you love me, keep my commandments. We are also told, He, oh, oh, he who obeys the Guru's wishes knows what God is. But do we obey? If we would obey implicitly for six months, we would see the magical change in our condition. You can get salvation in this very life. If the giver is there, where is the pain in receiving? But unfortunately, the one who is supposed to receive the priceless gift is deep in slothfulness, sleeping, or drifting away in the clutches of the senses. Those who receive something decide to put it away and ignore it. How can you expect the worldly conditions to change if you are not changing? I will give you an example from the life of Guru Nanak. A disciple named Bayajita once questioned the Guru, Maharaj, you say that some have had but a fragrance of Sikhi, true devotion to the Guru, and some live under the protective roof of a true disciple, but there are some who taste the nectar from a true disciple. Please give me the darshan of these three types of followers. Now listen carefully to this story. Guru Nanak took Ajita to a certain house at night. Houses in those days were made with inner courtyards. The owner said to his family, there are some holy men outside. We must feed them. But they were very poor people with very meager fare, and they collected a piece of bread from each one's share, and with devotion offered it to Guru Nanak and returned to their places. 
Guru Nanak and Ajita passed the night in singing praises of God, and in the morning the Guru sent Ajita to tell the owner, We are leaving now. The owner replied, Brothers, you are going? Then go. Who asked you to come? As they walked on their way, Guru Nanak told Ajita, This man has had a little fragrance of discipleship. This type of person will listen, they will serve both financially and physically, etc., but they will remain where they are. You see, when someone gets a slight fragrance, they are ready and willing to do anything, and yet when they leave that fragrance, all their aspirations are forgotten. Ajita then said, Maharaj, I see this type of man every day. Now please show me one who lives under the master's protection. They went to a village and entered the house of a large family who entertained and fed them with great love and devotion. When night came, they said, Maharaj, have mercy on us. How can we control our mind? We are pitifully imprisoned in this world. Show us the way to salvation. So the whole night was spent listening to the advice of Guru Nanak until the sun rose at daybreak. When the guru showed his intentions to depart, the family quickly cooked more food and packed it for their journey. As the guru left, they pleaded for his grace and begged him to look after them and return soon to their home. So Guru Nanak explained to Ajita that this was the type of people who live under a true master's protection. How many people can you find who will spend the whole night talking about the Lord? Have you met anyone like that? Such people have hope of salvation. They may not go anywhere just now, but there is hope later. Ajita then said, But what about those who have gained the essence of truth from a master? And Guru Nanak promised to show him such an example. Some days later they went to another house where lived a man, his wife, two sons, and a daughter who were imbued with the love of the Guru. They all received and entertained Guru Nanak with respect and devotion. To show true devotion to a master is like showing it to God himself. The wife immediately retired to the kitchen to prepare food. Her son came running to help her, but slipped on the floor, fell down, and died. Of course, she was distressed but thinking of the karmic laws, attributed it to give and take, and then thought of the saint that had just come to her home. Resolving that the incident should not mar the occasion, she hid her son's body in a room under the covers of a bed, meaning to tell her husband only after the departure of the saint. Meanwhile, the husband has gone into the courtyard for something, accompanied by his younger son, who suddenly slipped, fell down, and died. The father then had exactly the same thought as his wife, and hid his son's body in another room, after which he continued devotedly to help prepare the meal. When the food was placed in front of him, Guru Nanak picked up the small daughter, and placing her on his lap, asked her, "'Where are your brothers?' She replied, they are in the lap of the guru. 
In life or death, we are all in his lap. Guru Nanak then picked up a morsel of food and put it in his mouth but could not swallow it. He said, it will not go down my throat. They have bound me by their love and complete surrender to the Guru. And turning to the father said, I want to meet your sons, so kindly call them. The husband and wife both became alarmed, for both were concealing the facts and did not know what to do. But the guru insisted, so the husband called the names of his two sons. At once both boys came from the respective rooms where they had been lying. They told of their interesting sleep, during which both were held in the lap of the guru. Who can imagine the joy in the hearts of the parents? Guru Nanak turned to Ajita and remarked, Now this is the type of person who enjoys the very essence from the Guru's presence. This last example was one of true living, the kind of life that we must learn to live. You can see for yourselves where you stand at present, and the only reason for that position is the fact that you do not know how to truly love the Master. Why would he who rises above the mind and senses try to keep you imprisoned here in them? It is the fervent wish of whoever has tasted the real nectar that everyone should enjoy the bliss. Meet the Master, my brothers, and take the true Nam into thy keeping. Tie this life's treasure to thee here and hereafter. The treasure of the masters has value in both worlds. So where does the negative power stand in this? The negative power comes in when we do not truly love, we do not obey, or we obey only as far as our mind agrees. This is what is called the power of negativeness. We even go so far as to give advice to the master at times. Hafiz of Shiraz made the startling statement that if your guru tells you to drench your prayer mat in wine, then do so. Why? Would the one who has the intoxication of Nam wish to trap you in the worldly intoxicants? We should try to carefully understand the Master's teachings and what lies behind them, not waste time in intellectual wrangling and reasoning. When an officer gives the orders to fire, the soldier must fire, and the responsibility of the decision rests upon the officer. So our duty is to obey and die if necessary, as long as the condition of our mind does not develop to this kind of obedience, we will not get the full benefit that the Nam has to offer us. The guru is not ignorant of the pathways to spirituality. You have got the connection. Then daily increase it. And if you learn to obey without question, the color of this world will fade and you will be dyed deep in the color of Nam. Disobedience results in being consumed perpetually in the fire of senses, not only in this life, but hereafter also. When someone remarked to Lord Vishnu that he must be very busy, always preparing the hells, etc., for so many erring souls, 
He replied, No, I do nothing. The souls bring their own fires and are consumed in them. We go through life strictly according to the inner condition of mind. The masters show a straight road out, but the worldly people object to it, being convinced that he is doing nothing but obstructing the fulfillment of their desires. The master comes to give the true understanding of life, but the people chase him away, protesting that he has come to rot their roots by flooding them with water. They do not or will not understand the deep meaning of satsang, although in all religions it is stated that there is no salvation without nam or word. It is already within you. You have but to be made aware of it. That person who is already all awareness can awaken you. He who has no light radiating within cannot show it to others. It is a work impossible to be accomplished by intellectuals or those learned in sacred scriptures, etc. Get the full benefit of meditation and increase it day by day. The more you increase it, the nearer will you advance toward your goal. If you refuse, the day will come when you will be filled with regret for the lost opportunity. It is all a very simple matter of fact. An outer show of respect will achieve nothing. Learn to obey implicitly. This is the secret in a nutshell. And I want to read one brief story from the same book, Different Talk. Again, we are all thinking about the reality of death this weekend. And, uh, of course, in the story we just read, um, death is seen in a very different perspective than we normally look at it. And in the story that I'm now going to read is seen again very differently. This is a story that Master told, Master Kripal, which absolutely floored us at Santvani Ashram when this talk was sent over from India in the summer of 1970. Uh, it was published in the September 1970 Satsandesh called Protector and Protection. And it's a remarkable talk. But this particular story is perhaps one of the most remarkable that the Master ever told. And uh, it puts the whole subject of death and of the Master's relation to the process of dying in a very different perspective. The Master says, One can be so much within the Guru's radiation that even the powerful Lord of Death cannot come near. For example, I will tell you of one incident when I was living in Lahore. There was a lady who hailed from my village, but she was not a disciple. She became seriously ill, and her family endured constant sleepless nights in looking after her. I heard that she was sick and went to see her, accompanied by Dalip Singh, who was a good friend of the Master's and remained with him throughout his life uh, and was, at the time that Master gave this talk, 
was actually the treasurer at Salon Ashram. I knew him well. Very remarkable, ancient man. I told him, you have spent so many nights awake and must be tired, so you all sleep tonight and I will watch beside the bed. Dalip Singh and I sat together for some time. She was not initiated, but that did not matter. And I asked her, do you repeat any holy name? She affirmed that she did. I told Dalip Singh to go and rest and return about 4 a.m., and I continued to sit beside the dying woman. She went on repeating the holy names, as I had suggested. But suddenly she said to me, There's an old man here. I looked up and saw the old man, and he explained to me that she was his granddaughter and that he had come to take her away. But I told him that he could not do so as long as I was sitting there. He tried his best to take the soul out of the body, but did not succeed. So after some moments, he went away. I asked the woman if she had recognized the old man, and she said, yes, it was my grandfather. He was a very pious man. After some time, Yama, the angel of death, appeared in the doorway. I looked straight at him, and he ran away. He could not even enter the room. He returned several times, but could not enter. Then Dharamraj, the lord of death himself, appeared. But he also could not come into the room. He said, this soul belongs to me. I said, yes, that is true, for she has not been initiated. And I know also that you cannot come near her because I am sitting here. So you had better go to my guru and ask him what is to be done now. If he gives you permission to take this soul, then I will leave. My friends, just see how great is the Nam. Dharamraj left and in a matter of moments returned and said, I have got the permission to take the soul. I said, all right, take it. He replied, how can I when you're still sitting there? Whatever is written regarding the protection power of the holy Nam is all true, for I am telling you what actually happened. Dadamraj said, unless you leave, I cannot take the soul. I asked him, what benefit will she get from my spending the whole night beside her? He said, she will receive the fruit of that before any other rewards or debts are accounted. Just then, Dalip Singh entered the room, and I said to him, Come, brother, let us go away from this room, for while I am here, she cannot die. As we were leaving, I asked her husband to give away in her name some money which was still due from her to some needy people, that her give and take may be squared up and she may leave the body. Dalip Singh and I stepped out of the room, and in one moment she was gone. Dalip Singh is here. You can ask him about it. If a person who has got the Nam is sitting somewhere, not necessarily the master, but anyone who meditates, then Yama or Dharamraj cannot come near that place. What do you people imagine the Nam to be? I am sorry to say that you hold it to be of little value. And there are, it, 
it's important to remember that the way in which we see things, the perspective in which we are imprisoned, our understanding of all these things, the linear one thing after another, cause and effect way in which we process everything, all of this is extremely relative. And from the master's point of view, from the point of view of the nam, nam means name. And it is the same power that in the Bible is referred to over and over again, believing in the name, doing something in the name of God. The name of God is the power of God. It's God naming himself. And the word which became flesh and dwelt among us, the word that created everything, that is the name of God. And that name, that is from the point, that is the vantage point from which we can see the entire universe. And that is the true perspective, the way in which all things become clear and that which is real uh, stands out and that which is fault, false fades away. So the nam is no small thing, and you know, and we have it. We have contact with it. And uh, as Master says, when the giver is there, what's the problem with receiving? He wants to give it to us. Why don't we want to receive it? Right, we will now hear a tape from Santi. The mission of the saints and Mahatma, the beloved of God, has always been the same, and that is to have those suffering souls who want to devotion of, who want to do the devotion of Lord, no matter in what time, no matter in what religion they were born, they always had the same mission. All the creation is of God, who has created this creation with the Shabbat and who is maintaining this creation with the same Shabbat. That God does not have any brother, that does, God does not have any friend. There is no one equal to that God. God is not only for any particular religion or for any particular country. God is for everyone. God is for the whole creation, for the whole world. In the same way, those masters who come in this world in the will of God, they do not have love for only one or only for few religions or communities. 
they have love for everyone. They always look at the souls of the people because they know that soul is innocent. All the bad qualities or the badness are in the mind. When the yearning to go back to the origin is created within the soul, then our greatest enemy mind, since he is also sitting within us, he involves us in such kind of rites and rituals that we cannot do the devotion of God in real sense and he does not allow us to go back to our origin. Sometimes he takes us to the churches and the temples and the mosques. Sometimes he involves us in doing the worships and the repetitions and readings of the Holy Scriptures. Sometimes he creates the waves of lust, anger and the other passions and gets us involved in them. Mahatma's parents, that is, there is any truest church or temple or mosque or gurdwara, that is our own physical body. This human body is the truest and the greatest church or the religious place. Mahatma's made all this out of religious places just to tell us that as we understand it is very important for us to go to the church and we understand that it is very important for us to maintain the purity and sanctity of the churches and the religious places in the same way. This human body which is the living temple, which is the truest temple of God, it is very important for us to maintain the purity and sanctity of this human body, this temple also. <coughs> So this is why here he says that in the beginning was God, now also the same God exists and in the future also the same God will create and maintain this creation. And he has created this creation with his hukam, with his will or with his shabbat and in the future also he will keep doing that. God did not send anyone in this world with the labels on them that you are Hindu, you are Sikh or you are Christian or you are of this or that religion. Guru Gobind Singh Ji Maharaj Pende hai, Paramatma ne insaan banaya, ikko de sarde, hath hai, kaamna hai, nath hai, Guru Gobind Singh says that God made only man and you know that all the men have the same kind of hands, feet, ears, eyes, nose and all the human beings are created, are born in the same way and all of them leave the body or they face the death in the same way. So 
but our minds have created illusions with data, and that is why we have created religions, communities, and things like that. If we remove this obstacle, this wall of mind between all of us, then we don't have any religion, we don't belong to any particular community. We all are one and we have only one God. So, Santanahatma, Sant Mahatmas do not tell us to give up the ways of our living, they do not tell us to change our religion, they don't even tell us that you give up your family, they say that living in your family and living in your religion, Still, if you can devote three or four hours for devotion of Lord, you can do the devotion of Lord and get the liberation. And they tell us that God is nowhere outside. We can easily do His devotion because God is within us, He is within our physical body. Mahatma ke sachayi jirur batandar hai, ke vakkadiya panchaki jakam dunia hai, vakkada teacher saadhe bachya nun praha sarda hai, this teacher nun sapoor chadur nun pinya saal ho gada, saal saal ho gada, agar asi tini shaka, موسیقی موسیقی Mahatmas do tell us the reality. They tell us that there are a couple of things which work, couple of things of the present time which work. They tell us, they give us the examples, they say that suppose if there was a teacher about 100 years ago who was a very good teacher and if we say that we want to get our children taught by that same teacher because he was a very good teacher. That is not possible because he may have left the body, he is not available at this time. We will have to take our children to the teacher of the present time. Otherwise, we will not be able to give good education to our children. In the same way, no doubt, Bermantri and Lukman, they were these two great doctors who could even, who could even put life into, life back into that body. And if we have fever or if we have some kind of sickness now, and if we say that they were very great doctors and their medicine used to work very much and we will take medicine only from them. No matter how much faith we have for them, no matter how much we pray to them, but they are not going to come back and they are not going to give us the medicine. We will have to go to the present doctor and get the medication. In the same way, if we say that Lord Rama or some other king who was uh, alive two ages or one age back and he was not a very good administrator and he was very good, very popular king, but if we have any lawsuit or any problem at this time, and if we rely on that king to come back and uh, settle down our dispute, that is not possible. Even if we go on praying to him, even if we 
God having faith in him, he is not going to come back because he is not available, he is not alive. In the same way, <coughs> if some girl says that he wants to get married to some warrior king, and he was a very strong king, I will, and if she says that she will not marry anyone else, you see that that is not possible, because that king is not available, he will not come, she will have to go and find the husband of the present time. In the same way, if we say that we want to get the knowledge of Shabbat Nam by from the past masters, that is not possible. No doubt those masters were great, they came to liberate the souls and they were great, their teachings were good, <coughs> but they are not in the physical body. If we rely on them, if we have faith in them, it is good to have faith in the masters, but if we have faith in the physical form and if we say that they will come back again and they will connect us with the Shabbat Nam, they will give us the secret of Shabbat Nam, that is not possible. Like the other things which work, if they are available at the present time in the same way, if we want to do the devotion of Lord and if we want to get ourselves connected with Shabbat Nam, we will have to go and find the present living master. Our closing bhajan is on page 253, Mujay Apana Kirpal. O Kirpal, make me your own. Everyone calls you the gracious one. O Satguru, do not look at my faults. I am filled with many faults. O Satguru, cut my despair. I have borne much desperation and pain. O Satguru, please consider. Everyone calls you the gracious one. The sinner mind is very strong. It makes me sin and takes away my virtues. Day and night it remains involved in the intoxication of lust, anger, greed, attachment, and egoism. O protector, shower grace. Everyone calls you the gracious one. Many great rishis and munis were swayed away in the stream of mind. O Satguru, except you, who will hold the hand of me, a small jiva? O my Satguru, the gracious one on the poor, everyone calls you the gracious one. He himself protects his disciples. From the lowly ones, he makes them the highest. Ajayb is in your refuge, O Satguru. May his honor be protected. O Sawans Kirpal, everyone calls you the gracious one. O Kirpal, make me your own. Everyone calls you the gracious one. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 253 Sabakete, <laughs> 
संकट में बहुत सहे ना देखो मेरे अवगुण सतगुरु अवगुण मुझ में बहुत भरे खा तो मेरे संकट सतगुरु संकट में बहुत सहे सतगुरु खारो खयाल दियाल तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपाल दियाल तुझे सब कहते मुझे अपना बना लो कृपाल दियाल तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपाल तुझे सब कहते मन पपी हाथ जोड़ बड़ा है पाप खड़ा सद गुण हरे काम क्रोध मद लोभ मोह में लिपत दिन और रात रहे मन पपी का जोड़ बड़ा है पाप खड़ा सद गुण हरे काम क्रोध मद लोभ मोह में लिपत दिन और रात रहे दिया करो रखवाल दियाल तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते मुझे अपना बना लो कृपाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपाल तुझे सब कहते बड़े बड़े ऋषि मुनि हुए जो वे भी मन की दार बाहे मुझिक छोटे जीव की सतगुरु तुम बिन बाहिया खोंगा है बड़े बड़े ऋषि मुनि हुए जो वे भी मन की धार बहे मुझिक छोटे जीव की सतगुरु तुम बिन बाहिया खोंगा है मेरे सतगुरु दीन दयाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते मुझे अपना बना लो कृपाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते 
सब कहते सब कहते अपने सेवक की आप रखे नीचो ही फिर खड़े अजय अब तेरी शरण में सतगुरु शरण गत की फेज रहे अपने सेवक की आप रखे नीचो ही फिर खड़े अजय अब तेरी शरण में सतगुरु शरण गत की फेज रहे सावन के कृपाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते मुझे अपना बना लो कृपाल दयाल तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपाल तुझे सब कहते ओ कृपाल मेक मी योर ओन एवरीवन कॉल्स यू द ग्रेशियस वन May God bless us all.